Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 48 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill, along with Phil DeMont Mullen, the voice, the face, you know him as at Announcer Schedule. He's an actual real person, and he's with me, of course, each and every week. We bring you all the latest in the Announcer Schedules, Announcer Stories, and this week, before we get to the guest, we want to remind you, like, rate, review, subscribe. We're on Last Word on Sports, Last Word on Sports Media with T.J. Reeves. And, of course, tell me a story I don't know with the great George Offman. And then, of course, the announcer schedules podcast this week on the pod. If you stick around, you will listen to the story of Mark Jones, who is calling, if you're listening on Thursday, today, when we drop the podcast, he'll be calling tonight's Sixers-Celtics game six. He got the call in Game uh, 7 last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then he got the call to do the NBA Finals. You're going to hear that story coming up not too long from now, Phil. We had a great conversation with Mark Jones. I can't wait for our listeners to hear that. He had a great story for us and the announcers out there. But how's it going, man? We got, uh, we're coming down to it. We're coming down to the end of the NBA season. Yeah, going great, and I think, yeah, I agree completely that listeners will really enjoy – the Mark Jones conversation tells some some great stories beyond just that uh, NBA Finals call up, if you will, that uh, you just described. But really cool to talk to Mark Jones. He's been around a long time and he knows the NBA inside and out all the way back from that. Those early days of that that weekly NBA show that we we kidded about as well. So stick yeah. around. Make sure you listen to the Mark Jones interview. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, he self-described himself as an NBA geek. A uh, NBA geek is what he is, but he does college football. He's done a lot of different stuff. So we'll have that conversation coming up. But let's get into this week's topics on the podcast, episode 48, the NBA. Tonight, as we mentioned, Mark Jones, Doris Burke, Cassidy Hubberth uh, on the radio. And by the way, uh, if you get this podcast by 2.40 in the East, I'll have Sean Kelly on my radio show on 97.3 ESPN in Atlantic City. You can download the app and listen. He'll be with Corey Alexander. Um, I thought an interesting thought, Cassidy Hubbard, you know, I don't know if you were paying attention to the Sixers game the other day, but it was that whole story with James Harden and the student who had been shot at Michigan State. And she had to kind of stand there and wait for James to kind of – he was signing his sneakers and he was taking some pictures. And she was standing there kind of waiting. I thought she did a really good job in waiting for that and not trying to, like, grab him and force him to quickly come to the television uh, interview. She let him kind of do all this stuff with this student. It was a pretty big story, a Michigan State student, and Harden brought him to the game as a guest. Well, after the game was over, he scored 42 points, and Cassidy Hupperth was trying to interview him, but she allowed him to, you know, take pictures. He signed autographs. On the I thought that was really good by her to let that all play out. Yeah, that that's a big part of that job as a sideline reporter, and I think people sort of underestimate how difficult that is and how that takes a lot of grace and also the relationships that they're able to build to kind of know these different personalities. They're working also with a media relations person, you know, and, and that kind of thing to make sure that all goes smoothly. And Cassie Hubbard has risen as one of the, the top 
NBA sideline reporters in the game. And that would be, by the way, Mark Jones and Doris Burke filling the time for her so that she could stand there and wait uh, to wait for that moment for James to be now ready and to answer her question. So good job by that crew on that game, uh, which was game four in Philadelphia. That game is tonight. Did you have something? Yeah. And, and there, you know, there's another part of that, too. There's conversations taking place at the same time with the, the truck and the producer and the director and so forth. And so Cassidy is probably keeping them updated every second along the way as far as, hey, I'm still going to get them. Just give me a little yeah. more time and that kind of thing. So there's, you know, back channel conversations happening at the same time. And it's a collaborative effort for that entire production crew. And like you said, also, you know, Mark and Doris being able to fill the time. All right. Uh, and then you've got uh, Dave Pass, Hubie Brown, and George Sedano doing the Nuggets Suns game six. That's the double header tonight. If you're listening to the podcast on Thursday, if you're on Friday, we got Warriors Lakers. The Warriors won that game Wednesday night, and you're going to get our buddy Mark Kestisher, who's been a guest of the podcast. I had PJ Carlissimo on my radio show last week, and I would love to get him on this pod because PJ's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, PJ's fantastic. I, I really enjoy listening to him. You know, he he's worked also on the on the TV side uh, quite a bit. But it seems like primarily these days, it's on this ESPN radio role. It's was one of their top guys. He did some great work around the NCAA tournament as as well, uh, reflecting back on on that on the college side. But yeah, really enjoy PJ and and Mark, who we've had on the show as well. They they do a great job. So opportunity to catch them. On Friday night, you know, the the Knicks Heat and then also the, the Warriors Lakers on Friday night on ESPN. I'm still, as of the taping of this podcast, not 100% sure those assignments on the TV side, but we, we know we'll get uh, Kessischer and Carlissimo on Friday night ESPN radio. Yeah, we got potential game sevens on Sunday and Monday. We're not 100% sure as of the recording, but we do know if that Knicks Heat series goes seven, that's going to be Monday night, and Ian Eagle, Jim Jackson, Jared Greenberg will be on the call for that one. That's a TNT game. Now, let's go to the conference finals because we do know Mike Breen and company, of course, are the ESPN Eastern Conference, uh, you know, Western Conference finals are, are on ESPN. The Eastern Conference Finals are going to be on TNT, who has yet to announce their finals broadcast team. And you would say, well, you know, you know Breen and Van Gundy and Jackson. How come you don't know TNTs? Well, they've got a nice roster over there. So, Phil, why don't we try to guess or estimate who's going to get that call? Last year you had Harlan, Van Gundy, Reggie Miller, Allie LaForce on the West. The year before, that was Marv Albert, Reggie Miller. Uh, on that call. Marv, of course, is no longer doing games. So you had the bubble year with Brian Anderson and Chris Weber and Reggie Miller. Remember Chris Weber doing games? That was the bubble. So that was a little bit a different thing. So there's no real pattern here of who's going to get it. So what is your estimation on what's going to happen? Yeah. So I have been looking and digging to see if there was an announcement somewhere that I may have missed in as of this recording, I can't find one that says who exactly is going to be this year's Eastern Conference Finals announcers for the TNT coverage, which you would think the news would already be out there. And I think the conventional wisdom says that it will be Kevin Harlan who did it last year as far as the, the conference finals, as you mentioned there. It was a, 
uh, three-person booth with with Stan Van Gundy and Reggie Miller. So, you know, we're, we're not 100% sure there. But I would lean that way as far as, you know, where this is likely heading. But sort of the wrinkle in all this, if you recall back to the NBA All-Star game and who called that, that was Brian Anderson on the call for the NBA All-Star game. And over the years, whoever does the All-Star game, that's sort of like the number one, you know, slot as far as these TNT play-by-play announcers. That was Marv Albert for for years. It wasn't even a, a conversation like this. And then that person would also do the, the conference finals. You know, Harlan did them both a couple of, of years ago. Um, I believe. And now, you know, this situation where Anderson did the all-star game this year, Harlan uh, called like the Saturday night festivities of the, the um, all-star game last or this past year. And then, you know, last year called the all-star game and then the conference final. So it's kind of really interesting, you know, um, will it be Brian Anderson? Will it be Kevin Harlan? You know, some fans and, and listeners might say, you know, it should be Ian Eagle. And Ian now becomes the, you know, the voice as far as that NCAA championship game goes and the the, the top voice on, on March Madness and that kind of thing. So it's really interesting. And it's a it's a good problem to have in a lot of ways when you've got that much depth at TNT that you can, you know, you can really go forward deep if you include Spiro Didis as well. But Kevin Harlan, Ian Eagle, Brian Anderson, and from everything that I've kind of gathered and, and, and looked at and read over over time on this subject, it's not like they've declared one of those three, Harlan, Anderson, or Eagle, as their number one play-by-play voice. It's almost like number one by committee. Yeah. So we'll we'll see where this goes. I'm sure the decision's already been made. It just isn't hasn't been publicly released, as far as I can tell. If, if someone out there has has seen some information that that we're missing, let us know. But you know, it'll be interesting. I'm sure that'll come out real soon. Here, I'm sure plans are already in motion. But uh, you could make arguments for for either of those guys, you know, any of those three, you know, Harlan Eagle or Anderson. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you mentioned last year it was Harlan and Van Gundy and Reggie Miller, you know, maybe they do some sort of configuration where the two analysts pair back up Van Gundy and Miller. We'll see who they end up giving them. Will it be Brian Anderson? Uh, will it be Ian Eagle? Will it be Harlan? Brian Curtis wrote a great story in the ringer about how they have these three great guys and really uh, not one. you know, they haven't had, Hey, this is our guy. This is our Marv Albert or our Mike Breen. They've all got chances to do this, which is kind of neat. But if you're asking me, Phil, all of them are great, but I'll go with Kevin Harlan. Maybe because I'm getting Harlan on this Sixer series. He just, to me, brings it on another level, man. You know, I, I just love listening to Kevin Harlan. And by the way, Kevin, if you're listening to the pod, well, I met you at the Super Bowl. You told me you were coming on the podcast. We got to get you on the podcast, buddy. Uh, Kevin Harlan who, of course, Westwood won, called the Super Bowl. And hopefully uh, we get a chance to hear him on these uh, Eastern Conference Finals. And hopefully my Sixers are in there. Uh, maybe that could be a thing. It's like, hey, you've done the Sixers. We'll put you on that game. If, um, you know, the Celtics make it, I guess he's been there too. So that doesn't – because who's doing the Heat game? Who, who's been doing that series? That's been Ian Eagle and Joe Jackson gotcha. on the so, Heat Knicks. I guess, yeah, yeah you got Ian Eagle – uh, who has been familiar with those two teams. You got Harlan, who's been familiar. So that doesn't make any sense. That was a bad job by me. Yeah, and, and, and Ander, Anderson and um, I'm being selfish Van Gundy. now. Now I'm being selfish. Yeah, Anderson and Van Gundy have been out doing that Warriors-Lakers game series, which a lot of people could argue, 
you know, despite obviously the appeal on the East Coast of Sixers and Celtics, you know, the the two biggest brands and like you know, kind of the marquee game, even those those games are, are going off late. You know, back to that article that you mentioned by Brian Curtis, you know, what he what he talked about quite a bit was how fortunate we are at this time and place to have Harlan Eagle and Mike Breen all as announcers at the top of their games, you know, and he talked about like how, you know, this is kind of a, a golden age of sorts, you know, here in the, these NBA playoffs and you're able to catch these three guys all with mm. distinct styles, but how we're catching three of the absolute all time best and you're able to catch them all during these NBA playoffs. You know, one other idea as far as, you know, maybe this, how this is moving forward, could there be a rotation, you know, where each year, whether it's Harlan, Eagle, or Anderson, you know, they they get this slot? Because, again, last year, Harlan did the All-Star game and the conference finals, and then this year, Anderson got the All-Star game. Uh, all right. I'm sure this decision's been made, but we'll we'll see see once it becomes official. But it, it's kind of interesting that we're this close to the start of the conference finals and, and we haven't seen it definitively. But you know, perhaps someone's seen it out there. If so, let us know. All right. A um, couple other NBA quick notes. Uh, JJ Redick, uh, a guy that I've really enjoyed listening to his insight analysis. He's done the first take. He does the get up shows. But I like him on games. I think he's a good game analyst. We might lose him. He's interviewing for a job uh, with the Toronto Raptors. And this is a, you know, I don't know if you saw this, uh, in the NHL, their broadcaster, Keith Jones, I don't know if you saw this this morning, he just got named the president of the Philadelphia Flyers. And Keith Jones has been the Flyers color analyst for, I think, like 17 years on the broadcast. He also does, I think he's on the TNT National broadcast as well. So when we put our rundown together today, I don't know that this news was announced quite at the time, but you got J.J. Redick, a television you know, uh, pundit, and now Keith Jones, a TV analyst, both one just got hired by the Flyers, and Redick is now interviewing for jobs. This seems to be a good pathway to get involved in organizations. Yeah, this is interesting to to kind of follow. I mean, we've seen this sort of thing in the past as far as, you know, guys go from the, the booth to the coaching ranks. And, you know, J.J. Redick, we've talked about him before on the podcast, how he's, you know, one of these rising stars in, in sports media and, you know, how uh, quickly he has become a popular voice, both in studio shows, but also as an analyst for a lot of these games. And so it, it'll be interesting if that's the the route he decides to to truly want to go. Obviously, if, if he's interviewing for the job, he's interested at least to some degree. And uh, whether that'll open up another slot for for somebody on the ESPN side, if indeed he he does move on to, to go into the coaching ranks. Uh, you mentioned the, the Keith Jones story. You know, there, there's a game tonight devils hurricanes on on tnt uh kenny albert eddie olchick and patrick sharp i believe that's usually keith jones's slot you know where patrick sharp's in there so what might be happening is this is effective pretty much immediately yeah, i, I was announced say, you know today. with something that big as far as you know president of, of a organization like that and so um you know, a quick pivot it looks like from from tnt and so forth but but again you you never know like how you know, far in advance, you know, perhaps he was able to give them a heads up. Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm working yeah. on this. I'm not going to be able to make that game or, or what have you, but, you know, interesting again, like, you well, know, whether it's front office or coaching, you know, guys going from the booth 
to those big positions. Well, Phil, I wonder if this is a situation like Mark Jones, who's going to be joining us on the podcast. You get the guy gets a call at ten thirty in the morning, or in this case, maybe seven thirty in the morning. Hey, Keith Jones isn't available tonight. Patrick, we're going to need you to be a part of the broadcast. I mean, th- yeah, the possibility could be, could be that that could be the case I, too. So I it, can tell you this, Phil. I, I'm in the market. Keith Jones being announced as the president of the team was completely out of right field. This wasn't like, hey, this is a strong possibility. This is going to happen. We heard this. It kind of came out last night a little bit, so maybe TNT had a little bit of a – I'm sure he knew maybe earlier than the press did, but it, it came out last night, like late, like 8, 9 o'clock. Was, and you were kind of like, wait, what? I mean, Keith Jones has been t- telling one-lining zingers on the – Angelo Cataldi morning show on WIP radio in Philly for like the last 10 years, 15 years, and doing Flyers games and, and some TNT stuff. So for him to be the president of the team came out of right field, to be honest with you. So, yeah, in the, in the, in the Warner Brother um, Discovery Sports PR announcement as far as the announcers for tonight's games was at 1030 this morning that said Patrick Sharp was part of it. So gotcha. yeah, some quick work all the way around by the, these media relations folks pounding out these press releases. Uh, speaking of Eddie Olchek real quick before we get into the NHL, uh, our buddy Larry Colmus had the Derby this weekend. Did you, listen, right. did yeah. you listen to the Derby call? Yeah, um, I did after the fact, you know, we were able to, to repost a uh, view from the booth as far as, you know, Larry goes and so forth. And, you know, once again, to, to see him do his art form, which is so unique and so different than, than all the other announcers that we covered, it, 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 it's really something. And, you know, they, I know they had, they had big numbers once again for the, the Kentucky Derby. So next year, uh, great to see Larry keep it up like that. Next year will be the 150th year of the Kentucky Derby. So they're going to go all out from what I understand next year will be the 150th running of the Derby. Let's listen to Larry. We had him on the podcast. Let's get you in on the final call down the stretch. And of course, if you miss Larry, our conversation with Larry Colmas, go back to our archives because he was outstanding telling us about the rich strike crawl call. And then another funny call that he had that you can go back and listen to that story. But this is from uh, Saturday's Kentucky Derby. And they're into the stretch, and two fills has turned for home on top. Keeps Barnes, here's Mage, coming struggling down the outside. Angel of Empire is putting in his run, and there's one for Lund to run. Two fills on the inside, trying to hold up Mage. Mage has taken the lead here as they come into the final 16th, and it is going to be Mage to win the Kentucky Derby. And then it was two fills, Angel of Empire, and a photo disarm was fourth. Mage has done it at 201.57 seconds under Javier. Larry Colmas, NBC Sports, this year's Kentucky Derby. We had Larry on the podcast uh, right after last year's Derby. So it's been about a year. Can you believe that? We talked to Larry about a year ago. Wild stuff, you know, that the time has flown on this podcast of ours. You're approaching that one-year anniversary of the Announcer Schedules podcast. But, uh, yeah, great stuff with Larry. Encourage folks to look at the, the Twitter feed. You'll you'll find the view from the booth, which is, which is always interesting. And, you know, his preparation, his institutional knowledge of horse racing, and then, of course, his cadence on the on the calls, um, really outstanding stuff. Yeah, this is episode 48. So, yeah, we are approaching 52, which would give us one full year of the Announcer Schedules podcast. We're both rich, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Larry Colmus, by the way, 
was back in episode five of the podcast. So go back to episode five of the podcast. Larry Colmus was our guest. Let's get into the NHL because Eddie Olchek, we mentioned, I think he's on the, which made me think of it, he's on the Kentucky Derby broadcast team, is he not? Yeah, that's an interesting choice. I'm, You know, it'd be worth asking either Eddie or Larry about all that history and so forth, because, you know, he's one of like their top handicappers, yeah. you know, as far as that, that NBC coverage of the Kentucky Derby. So he obviously, I don't know this, the, the backstory, but he obviously has, you know, history in the, the racing industry and the racing business and that kind of thing. But Olchek, Kenny Albert, and as we mentioned, Patrick Sharp on that uh, Devils Hurricanes game five on TNT on Thursday night, then Kraken Stars, also a game five uh, tonight, if you're listening on on Thursday, uh, Alex Faust, the, the play-by-player for that one. All right, Friday night, we got Brendan Burke, Darren Pang, Catherine Tappan on that Panthers-Leafs game. Oilers, Golden Knights, John Forslund, who's been a guest of the pod. In fact, not only has he been a guest of the pod, he was on episode three. He was our first guest of the pod. Uh, at that time, we had John because he was calling – the games on radio on Sports USA. He was calling the Stanley Cup Finals, so we got John on right then. Uh, and then, of course, potential Game Sevens. You got ESPN and Turner. Uh, I will say this: you know, this isn't our wheelhouse as much as maybe Last Word on Sports Media with TJ. The ratings, I would imagine, for the hockey are not going to be great. Uh, they do not have. They were good in their early rounds because they had great, compelling matchups. And the way the NHL sets up their playoffs, you get those divisional matchups. You know, you got Rangers, Devils, you get those divisional matchups. But they do not have great markets moving forward here. So it'll be very interesting to see what the hockey uh, looks like. In fact, you could have two Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup Finals, which I'm imagining TNT and ESPN would not be thrilled with. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you look at it that way. That's for certain and you know not just two canadian teams but the edmonton oilers that that's a pretty remote you know smaller market it's not like the oilers with gretzky where there, there was that kind of draw either so they do have two, one of those two of the, they do have dry settle and, and mcdavid they but i don't know that the nation is quite caught on to them yet yeah not not exactly as far as the casual sports fan goes right. you know household names necessarily yeah. so yeah we'll see how that shakes out you know it, it's curious you know what who the, who the executives might be rooting for through through all this i'd imagine you know maybe a devil's golden knights uh final or something like that but uh yeah one of those years where it's you know the, these sort of you know smaller markets and you know teams that aren't necessarily brand names are uh getting it done on the ice uh, baseball, we got a um, whole bunch happening with the baseball season as we're now kicking into gear. I mean, we got uh, two months almost, uh, one month, month, about 35 games into the baseball season, uh, and we've got uh, Jerry uh, Jake Eisenberg making his MLB regular season TV debut for the Royals. Cool story. Yeah, kind of a cool story here. I, You know, we're, we're noticing this from time to time, and I hope it becomes even more of a trend as far as these minor league announcers getting the the call up and in Jake Eisenberg's case, you know, he was the Royals AAA affiliate play by player, you know, for a couple of years. And Steve Fiziak retired from the Royals uh, last year. We, we covered that story. He was around for over 40 years with the Royals and Jake Eisenberg got the call up. Uh, he does a bunch of radio for the Royals, but then, you know, the, this past week, you know, he's sort of the backup, or number two play-by-player on television, the Royals uh, in the Royals Athletic Series 
Eisenberg made his debut there and uh, just kind of a cool story, you know, to be able to, to follow an announcer like that. What a moment for him. Uh, obviously, he, he's paid his dues and we've seen it a few other instances as well. And I think it's uh, really not just rewarding to the announcers, but in many ways, you know, that this is how it kind of should be, you know, as far as these these minor league guys working their way um, up the food chain and you know getting opportunities like Jake did this last week. Yeah, very cool story. We're seeing it a lot. Uh, Sunday night baseball this week, Cardinals Red Sox. You also have a Cardinals Red Sox Saturday radio game. Uh, Ravage Cone, uh, Eduardo Perez, Buster Olney on the TV side, ESPN Radio, Book Shambi and Doug Glanvin. You know. Uh, I was calling a game the other day, and someone said that they thought I sounded like Boog Shiambi on the radio. I said, oh, that's a very high praise. Thank you very much. So I'll be listening to the Sunday Night Baseball to see if he is accurate about that call uh, with Boog caught. He hasn't caught the last couple Sunday Night Baseballs, I think. Yeah, they, they've rotated a couple other guys around. I, I'm sure he's also the voice, of course, of the Chicago oh, Cubs, Cubs right. television play-by-play. So I think they work with these announcers as far as their you know different schedules – go and that kind of thing and you know gives opportunities for some of these other guys to to get that opportunity as far as that Sunday night ESPN radio game but but Boog is their you know number one guy on ESPN radio major league baseball along with Doug Glanville and you know as the season wears on and we get towards playoffs and and that kind of thing um, expect that team. All right, uh, that's baseball NFL tonight if you're listening to the podcast on a Thursday Man, they've made this a spectacle. I mean, four days of, of releasing schedules. I mean, you had the international games, the Black Friday games, select games. Finally, at 8 o'clock on Thursday night, uh, what is the um, the schedule release going to look like? How are they handling this? Yeah, it's, it, it is interesting how they're, they're making it bigger and bigger each year, it feels like. And, you know, just sort of my, my early impressions, that Friday, Amazon, Black Friday game that you mentioned, um, Michaels, Herb Street, Kaylee Hartung, uh, that could get big, big numbers, probably record-breaking numbers as far as a, a game not on, you know, traditional linear TV, Dolphins, Jets. And, you know, we're, we're not – clear as far as the the announcing crews necessarily for all these games that are being released but you can sort of connect a lot of the dots as far as the biggest games and those are the ones that that have already been released whether you know it's on these holidays and and things like that so um we'll see what happens tonight as it as it continues to unfold and you know it's probably going to get some pretty high uh ratings numbers as well but if the draft was any indication as far as people just being rabidly thirsty for anything NFL, even at this time of year. I want to say that Westwood One is doing a uh, – is offering a schedule show. Have you seen that? I, I, I could have sworn I saw that somewhere. I'm, I'm kind of ha- looking around my, um, my email offerings here, and I could have sworn that Westwood One is doing like a special – a show that I guess radio stations could pick up, but uh, I'll try Interesting. to. Yeah, I'll try to find the information. I could have sworn my Westwood One affiliate guy sent me a uh, an email regarding whether we wanted to pick that up tonight. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll find something by the time the pod's there. So stick around. All right. Let's go to uh, preseason. What do we know there? Yeah. So this is the time of year. 
you know, some of them will just sort of be renewals of the crews that we saw last year. But, you know, the teams and, you know, the local affiliates and that kind of thing that cover the preseason games, which are more opportunities for announcers, you know, to to get assignments, to, to you know, to make income, to get reps, all the all these things. And, you know, obviously with the network TV deals, the there's limitations as far as how many announcers can call those games on television, but, you know, we're starting to see some of these preseason crews uh, be announced. And there was a announcement from the Miami Dolphins, some changes there. Steve Goldstein, longtime uh, voice of the Florida Panthers down in uh, South Florida. He just celebrated an anniversary in terms of, you know, how long he's been with that club. Uh, he'll be the play-by-play announcer. Kim Bocamper, a former Dolphins great who's been in the media scene for a long time down there as well he'll be the analyst and then two new names um you know uh for probably a lot of our audience mike cugno and johanna torres who both do a lot of local uh work for one of the affiliates down there local you know sports work will be the sideline reporter so we see the dolphins crew i'm sure we'll see more of these types of announcements over the next couple weeks and see it didn't take me long yes westwood one is scott graham and mike golick will be streaming on westwoodonesports.com and on affiliate radio stations across the country tonight at 8 o'clock. Westwood One, the schedule release 23. So uh, even now, Westwood One is offering that for radio stations out there. Uh, so keep that in mind if you didn't pick it up this year and it's something that you want to jump on next year. They've got a uh, streaming, uh, I mean, excuse me, a live radio release of the schedule now. So it's gotten that big. It's gotten that big. Gotten that big. All right. Uh, Mike and Phil here on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. We're getting ready to talk to Mark Jones. But before we do, uh, rest in peace to Lance Blanks. Yeah, some sad news. Uh, much too young. Uh, Lance Blanks, who was a, you know, a name that you know I would come across uh, fairly often during the college basketball season. He was an uh, analyst for... ESPN on the college basketball side. He was their number one guy on the the Longhorn Network as far as the their college basketball analyst. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the, the NBA, was a first-round pick once upon a time, uh, worked in the front office, but he had been with ESPN since 2014 and uh, a big standout at University of Texas, which kind of set him up for that Longhorn Network role. But, you know, sad news there as far as him uh, passing away. Uh, unexpectedly, and so rest in peace, uh, Lance Blanks. All right, before we get to Mark, let's um, you know finish this up here with uh, how about a little bit of the BBC Radio and uh, set this up for us. Yeah, so came across a, a clip. We really want to you know thank some of our Twitter followers for for submitting this and BBC Radio Nottingham. So we're talking radio uh, over there in England. Uh, this was a, a lower division uh, matchup. You know, they have um, uh, promotion and um, uh, what do they call it? Regulation, you know, down there as far as, you know, going up and down, you know, as, uh, on the uh, Premier League and all that. So this is one of those games that involved that in Knotts County versus Borham Wood on BBC Radio Nottingham. And I think it's just a good example of, you know, sort of the different styles around the world, and I think our listeners will enjoy it. Yeah, this is Charlie Slater and Mark Stollard on the call. Here we go. And there's a deep-lying run over the top from Broadbent from midfield, and he is onside. And there's Hilla Sammy to aim at in the area, and it's in! 
Elisami will claim it. Oh, poor ball from Bostock. Unlove's picked the pocket of Baldwin. Horror moment for Notts. Unlove scored. He's made it 2-0 to Boreham Wood. It's a disaster for Notts County at the back. Do what you do, you will get them chances. We've just got to take them. Baldwin, 40 yards. Ah! Yes, oh, yes. Just the goal Notts County needed. Aidan Baldwin, what a way to score your first Magpie goal. With barely two minutes on the clock, Notts County have pulled a goal back. And it's Aidan Baldwin from fully 40 yards. The cult hero that has drawn the love of Meadow Lane steps forwards and it's saved by the goalkeeper. McDonald, the hero for Boreham Wood, who dives down to his right-hand side. That's Charlie Slater, your play-by-player. And, I mean, these guys are just, they can't even believe some of the things they're seeing there. They're grand, we have the camera view that we can see them here uh, as Phil and I can see each other. Uh, but if you're listening to the audio of the podcast, I mean, the two guys are grabbing each other. It's like two friends uh, watching a game together in their living room. Yeah, it's encouraged, folks. We, we've got that clip up on the, the Twitter feed as well, and you can see the, the emotion of these guys. The word that was escaping me, it's promotion and relegation, which is that process as far as teams moving up and down uh, with the, the different leagues in, in England. But, yeah, big, big stuff happening over there uh, in knots and uh, just wild uh, as far as, you know, these announcers and how they approach it. You know, we talked about, you know, whether – you know, the right level of being a homer, for lack of a better word, you know, and kind of how that comes into play. And it's great for them to kind of live and die, you know, by by their team and, and that sort of deal. So fun stuff from BBC Radio Nottingham. All right, that'll about do it for us. But before we get to Mark Jones, by the way, uh, we talked about uh, Mark is uh, game seven, as he called last year, and then he got the call. Uh, he'll tell your st- his story about getting the call to do the NBA Finals and uh, his studio work as well. So it'll be a good conversation coming up with Mark Jones of ESPN. That's coming up in just a matter of moments here on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. Phil, anything to any tidbits, any news notes before we get out of here? Yeah, just one last thing on Mark Jones. You know, we got the chance to reflect with him also on that NBA Today show. That was so cool back in the day in the in the 90s. Uh, would come out once a week and he would end the show by shooting, you know, the, the basketball into the air as the studio lights went off. I remember recreating that uh, with my uh, buddies up there at the, the University of Florida back in the day. And one other NBA note, I do want to give a shout out to Jose Pineda, uh, Spanish voice of the Miami Heat. Last night at Madison Square Garden for the Knicks Heat game, he called his 3,000th game, 3,000th game for the Miami Heat in Spanish. And he dates all the way back to 1988, the 88-89 season when the team got off the ground as an expansion team. He's a original employee of the Heat. I think there's like four or five of them uh, left today, you know, over um, well over 30 years later. And yeah, just an amazing accomplishment. 3,000 games called by Jose Pineda. And just to give it a little more context, there wasn't much NBA in Spanish back then when he was getting started. And for uh, Jose and a couple of other trailblazers, they really wrote the playbook on how to call to a American audience who's listening in Spanish, 
the sport of basketball and the NBA in particular. So big congratulations to Jose Pineda. Uh, Well-deserved all the, the the love he's getting for uh, calling his 3,000th game. And, you know, I think folks are really going to enjoy this conversation with Mark Jones. Yeah, that's coming up right now. This has been episode 48. Here comes our conversation for Phil on Mike. Here's our conversation with ESPN's Mark Jones right now on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Hey, hey, all right, everybody. We are the Announcer Schedules podcast, Mike and Phil. And as we told you at the top of the podcast, this week's special guest is Mark Jones from ESPN. And if you're listening on Thursday, you will hear Mark tonight on the call of the elimination game in Philly as the Sixers take on the Celtics and an elimination game in Philly, Mark. Do you think it'll be wild in Philadelphia or what? Unbelievable, man. Uh, it's going to be quite the vibe in there. And Philadelphia fans have that, um, you know, you feel them when you're calling a game. You not only hear them, but you feel them. It, that sound kind of reverberates and really hits all parts of your body. And, uh, man, I tell you, there wasn't a more kind of gripping scene uh, a few nights back when Joel got his – MVP award man and Arthur his son comes out and the crowd went wild and he was in tears I mean it was unbelievable and then the last game we did in Philadelphia uh, last Sunday man the it was a Disney ending right I mean Harden hitting the game winning three uh, John Howe his special guest of the game comes out and the fans go nuts uh it's going to be a tough act to top, but uh, I'm sure in Philadelphia anything's possible, right? Well, Mark will be on the call. Sixers-Celtics game six elimination, 730. If you're listening to the podcast on Thursday, if you are listening later than that, well, he already called the game, and hopefully my Sixers won. That'll be the first game of the doubleheader, and the Nuggets will try to knock off the Suns at 10 o'clock on Thursday night doubleheader. Mark, obviously uh, you've done a wide variety of stuff, but the NBA right now is kind of your signature moment. You had that signature moment last year. We remember you calling, getting the call for the NBA Finals. Give us a little background on what that was like. Hey, Mark, NBA Finals, we need you on a plane. How was that? It was wild, guys. I mean, I was here in Miami where my wife and I live in the offseason, and uh, we have a home, and I was taking my 90-pound Doberman to the vet on a uh, weekday, and I think it was a Wednesday, and got a phone call from my coordinating producer saying, hey, we got a situation out here. I needed to jump on a plane and come out and uh, probably be ready to call game one. So uh, took my dog to get his shots, came back, packed a bag. My wife got me all packed up and flew out to San Francisco, man, and uh, basically didn't find out until the morning of the game at about 10.30 a.m. that um, I was going to be calling it because of, you know, the COVID and Mike and how it was impacting him. So without getting to specifics, uh, the benefit for me was that I had just finished calling the Miami-Boston Eastern Conference Finals on ESPN Radio. So uh, I was already up to speed, and nobody watches the NBA more than I do anyway. So I was watching the Golden State series in the Western Conference. So it's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. It was a great moment, man, and one of the highlights of my career. And, you know, when they threw the ball up and, you know, Mark Jackson and I and Lisa Salters called that game, it was – quite the moment for me it was it was fantastic career highlight and you know the nba is just such a great uh sports great league so many wonderful players and coaches to talk about and tell their stories while you're documenting the game it, it was fun and i i look forward to you know being being on the call again this year for this playoff 
Yeah, for those of you uh, remembering, that was uh, last year. He filled in uh, for that Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then he said, you find out about 10.30 that morning that you're doing Celtics-Warriors. I mean, what's the preparation like in terms of, hey, you're on the call tonight, and now you got to change your focus? Yeah, you know what? I actually, uh, as a contingency, I just made sure to uh, have my charts and my boards ready Uh in the you know 24 hours leading up to the morning that I found out I was doing the game, I was preparing as if I would be calling the game. So uh, going through the usual kind of um, you know we had a Zoom meeting with the two coaches uh, for the teams respectively. Um, we each got a we got a player each from each team, Golden State and Boston. Uh, took my notes down, uh, got them organized, and. Woke up in the morning and just waited for the call the next day. Got the call and it was it was on. So, you know, I I, I kind of like to at that time of the year, I'm usually so engrossed in it. Um, I'm I'm ready to call the game anyway, more or less. It's just some of the finer details that you go over with in terms of the show open, the format with the producer. Um, but when the green light was given, it was you know, call my wife. Hey, Sarah. I'm calling my first ever NBA Finals, man, in 30-odd years at ESPN. This is going to be real cool. It was really cool. And then uh, called my mom, my brother, and uh, it, it was fantastic. And then on top of it, you know, as fate would have it, uh, you know, Van Gundy was still coming back from a thing I can't legally discuss, but, you know, he was impacted by COVID, you know what I mean? And uh, it ended up being the first ever all black broadcast crew on an NBA finals, which was uh, a historical moment, you know, so it was, it was good. You know, you, you hate to benefit at somebody's uh, expense because Mike is the elite of the elite when it comes to play by play guys and got so much respect for Mike Breen and the work he's done through the years. And, um, you know, I was, I was glad to be able to fill in. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. You, you describe this amazing moment where you got the chance to call the NBA finals. Well, you had another one also involving family. You mentioned some of your family members there this past season, San Jose state women's basketball and your daughter, Sophia Jones, a women's basketball student athlete at SJSU who was recuperating from an injury, but starting to get some reps in the broadcast world. You on play by play Sophia as the analyst for a San Jose state Fresno state game, uh, Tell us about that, how that all manifested, and obviously just, you know, how meaningful of a moment that had to be. Yeah, well, the genesis of it, um, Phil, was that my daughter tore her ACL last September during a routine defensive closeout drill. Uh, She's a sophomore on the basketball team at San Jose State. And during the course of her uh, rehabilitation from her injury, um, the coach had her do a lot of the media obligations, and she is a broadcast journalism major at San Jose State, so they have the West Coast Conference Network, and um, they called and said, hey, um, we have this game against our rivals, Fresno State. We need a play-by-play guy. How would you like to do it? So I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, yes, you know, mark me down. To be able to call the game with my daughter um, on West Coast Conference TV was, was fantastic. And, you know, she grew up watching – uh, basketball with my wife and I on the couch. We always are on league pass and watching the NBA, watching college basketball, watching the WNBA. Uh, she grew up in the gym uh, playing and, you know, even here in Miami in the off season, she has a bunch of 
NBA players as uh, workout partners with uh, one of the NBA trainers in town. So um, I just told her before we went on air, Phil, said, honey, just don't be nervous. It's just TV. Just talk basketball like we're at home on the couch. And that's what she did. And it was a fun moment. Then later in the year, we ended up, um, she ended up being part of an all women's, uh, not an all women's, but during Women's International Month, um, part of a broadcast team on NBC Sports California. And as you guys know, I do games for the Sacramento Kings as well. And she uh, was our sideline reporter for that. So another great moment, man. It was, it was fantastic. And um, to hear her break down the game and, you know, talk strategies and ask questions post-game that were relevant and incisive was, uh, was really rewarding and really cool as a parent, man. And Mark, you mentioned that the Sacramento Kings, you've you've been the TV voice for, for that franchise as well these last few seasons. And I was surprised knowing you as a Miami guy when I saw the announcement that you're heading out to, to Sacramento. Can you tell us a little more about that, the geography, how you juggle it all, you know, a, as well, being the voice of the Kings and obviously all your ESPN duties? Yeah, it gets pretty hectic, uh, Phil, from, you know, the start of college football in September up until the start of the NBA season. It's just college football. But then when it gets to like the middle of October, I'm doing college football for ESPN as well as NBA for ESPN and NBA for the Sacramento Kings. So, you know, my wife and my agent get together and, and kind of cross-reference the schedule, uh, workout logistics in terms of flight schedules, if I can make it to certain games, if I can't. But you know, I end up uh, doing over 50 games a year for Sacramento, and uh, it's it's been fun, you know, especially with what happened with the Kings this year. It was a, a lot of fun to watch Mike Brown transform that team into a winner from zero to 100, man, third place in the Western Conference, and to be able to be on the microphone for those games to, you know, tell the story of the cultural change there in Sacramento and to, you know, speak to Mike and speak to the players to, watch Keegan Murray as a rookie grow and it, it was great it was it gets a little bit exhausting at times to be honest with you and you know there are times where I wake up in cities and think <laughs> oh where am I going next peek out the window where am I um and then to wake up to the odd um oh your flight's been canceled I'm like oh boy what now so it, it worked out this year I was able to fulfill all my obligations on all sides of the ledger and um Look forward to doing it again this year. Mark Jones is our guest here, and uh, we're spending a couple of minutes. Don't forget the NBA playoffs. He'll be on the call. Uh, I'm imagining with Doris uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday night, when we're yeah. – uh, Yep, Doris Burke. Yeah, uh, yeah has been kind of your be with Doris and Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. that's been kind of uh, that signature uh, par pairing there. Uh, how ha You've worked with a lot of different partners. What makes it unique about working with Doris, who's really risen to the top of the ladder? Man, Doris is a Hall of Famer, man. Um, you know, talks the game knows the game inside out, puts in, you know, you know, assiduous work and prep preparation each and every game. It's, it's fun to be able to, uh, you know, get with her on the night before a game and just uh, sit down and talk about basketball and, you know, what we want to bring up during the course of the broadcast, any kind of interesting stories or stats that might pop up and things to look for, you know, usually uh, like we uh, did today on Thursday, go to Philadelphia, shoot around, go to Boston, shoot around, speak to the players and coaches um, to stumble into something that maybe we weren't aware of. But it's all about just um, having those conversations right between her and I and Cassidy. And, you know, for an example, 
Cassidy found out about the story of James having John Howe as a special guest coming. And we, between the three of us and our producer, Rodney Vaughn, and our director, Jeff Evers, talked about how we were going to get to that story early in the game so that we can introduce it so that depending on how the game played out, we could reintroduce it at the end. And you, you know, saw how the game ended with James hitting the game winner, who he calls John Howe's lucky charm now. And uh, he said, yeah, you're going to be here at the game tonight at game six. So we'll look for that. Mark, can you tell our listeners a little bit? Because you've got a lot of people who are young broadcasters. What goes into the day of a game and is a playoff day game or a finals game day different from your, you know, your regular Sacramento day? When do you get to the arena and start preparing for that night's game? What's the yes. day of a game like for a broadcaster? Yeah. I, I, I'm an, uh, my disclaimer is I'm an NBA geek. Okay, my life is all NBA. So I, I'm, I'm speaking to coaches and scouts constantly. Um, you know, last night I was texting with Mike Brown, who's in Greece right now watching one of the Sacramento Kings draft picks play in the EuroLeague. Um, so on a typical morning, I'll wake up and get my charts ready. I'll print my charts out. I'll go to my iPhone where I keep a file of uh, personal anecdotes on each and every player that's going to be on the court tonight. Something interesting I might find, whether it's, um, you know, Tobias Harris and his dad, Torin, who sat courtside at the last game, how he negotiated uh, Tobias's last contract, um, how his daughter played at Long Beach State last year, was the West, a big West Conference player of the year, anything that might uh, humanize the player, you know, uh, take the player out of the uniform and appeal to the viewer watching at home. So I've got a personal file that I keep through the years of stories on each player. Uh, and then I'll look at some of the, you know, play calls. I'll look at um, some of the frequently run plays by the 76ers or by the Celtics and see which ones, talk about which ones seem to be working so that when it comes up in the game, I can look at um, you know, the 76ers running horns out for uh, James or for Joel Embiid and say, hey, Doris, there's a set that's scored the last two times down the floor. So you don't you, you never want to be surprised with any kind of tactics or strategy, um, you know, talk about Doc Rivers and and how he wants to substitute. Uh, so it's basically going through all of the possible scenarios, getting to shoot around the morning of the game um each of the shoot arounds then later in the day we'll have a production meeting uh we get to the arena for a 7 30 game we'll probably get to the arena at about five uh, meet with each of the respective head coaches at about 5 36 o'clock and then the red light goes on and it's showtime and you take a deep breath and kind of let the game unfold before you uh never forgetting that you got to keep the main thing the main thing the game is the thing and all the other stuff around it is icing. So you want to be able to, you know, for all the young broadcasters out there, uh, present your information in a timely, uh, informative, and entertaining way. And, hey, listen, the E in the ESPN stands for entertainment, right? This is sports. We're supposed to have fun with it. So I like to have a little fun when the time and opportunity is appropriate. 
Mark, you mentioned how engulfed you've been in the NBA. I can't help but think back to the NBA Today, the, the show that you were the host of back in the early 90s, Mike doing the imaginary shot and so forth. And I remember I was a college student at University of Florida in Gainesville, and that was I watched it every single night, you know, and we loved it. You know, we would do the imaginary shot in the, in the dorm room. You just room. aged yourself, man. You just aged yourself. <laughs> exactly. But tell us how that kind of got you started in so many ways on this path. I, you know, I know you, you got started even before that up in Canada, but really that NBA Today show in getting your footing, not only with ESPN, but also in the NBA world. Right. So I started off my television career in Toronto at TSN, the sports network and Canadian version of ESPN. And, um, you know, went to one of my producers there uh, back in May of 1990 and said, hey, Scott, I got this tape. I want you to listen to it. He listened to it, came back to me the next day, said, I don't think you're ready for ESPN yet. Two weeks later, I had an offer from ESPN doing the NBA Today. Uh, started off in the studio with Jack Ramsey, David Aldridge, some great people I've been able to work through through the year, but, years. But, you know, the studio was always kind of my thing. I started off as a, as a primarily a studio anchor, and that show was a lot of fun. We used to tape it on Tuesday afternoons. We, we used to write it up. I used to write it up on Mondays. And then Tuesday afternoons, we'd go into the studio and tape it at about 2 o'clock. We'd turn it around. It would air at about 5 uh, every Tuesday. And, you know, back then, for context, there was no Internet. There was no Twitter. So all of your basketball information at the time came from, you know, either Pete Vesey's column or certain newspaper columnists once a week, or you'd watch the NBA Today on ESPN and it was just really fun to go around the league and cover the different teams and talk about the players. And, and um, that era of basketball was a lot of fun. You know, there were a lot of, uh, you no, know, it, was, it was Ewing and the Knicks. It was Jordan. I had a chance to cover all six of Michael Jordan's championships. And that show really was uh, kind of a launching pad for me in terms of being able to expand my knowledge and uh, have access to the NBA. And I'll always think about the, the great people I was able and fortunate to work with. Jack Ramsey, God rest his soul, um, David Aldridge, uh, Fred Carter, Jim Lynham. I worked with Jimmy Lynham. The mad dog, by the way. Yeah. Jimmy Lynham, yeah. man. You're giving Jimmy, us some Jimmy locals. Great, man. He's still, I, I saw him at the game on Sunday, and uh, he had a big – two Philadelphia guys, right? Fred and Freddie Carter, Carter, yep. And, and Jimmy Lynham had a great impact on my broadcasting career in the NBA. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Lynham was just on my radio show here uh, on Monday. We had the coach <laughs> on. Uh, Mad Dog was the coach here for a while. Uh, not a while, yeah. but a little while. I mean, uh, but yeah, yeah. I remember the point after uh, the yeah. show. <laughs> Mad Dog was always great, man. You, um, you worked some games with Bill Walton too, didn't you? Yeah, Bill was, uh, Bill was in the studio with me, and we did a couple of um, – Game broadcast too, and uh, with Bill, man, you just fasten your seatbelt and you know, it's like the roller coaster. Put your hands up and just go with the flow. Not <laughs> uh, anything from the Grateful Dead to yeah, you know, I, I, everything, anything bohemian. I mean, the guy is just Bill has his own universe, man, and it, it's fun. Uh, Mark Jones on the call for Sixers and Celtics, the deciding game six, and then uh, 
as always, keep your schedule open because you never know when you're getting the call. And uh, he's been a guest of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Also, college football. He's done some NHL, uh, versatile studio host. Uh, but as he said, he's an NBA guy. Sacramento, the Kings had a run this year. And, uh, of course, he'll be back with the Kings in 2023-2024. And Mark Jones, safe flight, safe trip. And uh, we'll be watching and listening, man. Mike, Phil, I appreciate you guys. Keep up the great work, man. You guys do a fantastic job. All right. Thanks, Mark, Mark Jones, thank you so much. Our guest here on the Announcer Schedule podcast. And uh, that'll do it for this week. Phil, we'll, of course, have another uh, podcast for you next week. Uh, we want to again thank Mark Jones, ESPN, Toronto native, Sacramento Kings, NBA, here for being our guest on the Announcer Schedule podcast. And, uh, man, cool stories, awesome stuff, his career. That that whole situation, getting the call, 1030 in the morning. Hey, you're on game one of the NBA Finals. What a cool uh, insight and story it's there for our listeners. Yeah, some great stuff from Mark. And, yeah, what I mean, he's been around a while. You know, let's, let's think back. You know, day one at ESPN was 1990. That We're talking 32, 33 years ago. And one of the veteran voices, one of the – you know, guys who are just synonymous with, with uh, ESPN after all these years. Um, I love getting to hear that perspective as far as calling that game with his daughter. What it, what an amazing, you know, opportunity that was as well. And, you know, we didn't get into college football much, but, he, you know, he's been working these past couple of years with RG3 and I think is a big part of RG3's success. You know, everyone talks about RG3 as one of these big rising stars on the analyst side. And, you know, Mark Jones has, you know, made that possible in a lot of ways. So uh, very versatile, but an NBA guy first and foremost, as, as we learned from him there. And, you know, that kind of institutional knowledge that he has on the NBA side after doing it for all these years, dating back to that show that we, we had fun reminiscing about the, the NBA today uh, way back in the, the early early 90s um it really kind of falls into place you know the the more i think about mark's career and so forth and how the nba you know it kind of kind of leads the way in that regard yeah and keep in mind you mentioned he does college football but he's also done uh you know he uh, the world track and field championships in germany uh he did stuff in sweden he did play-by-play for the world cup of gymnastics speed skating so you talk about a versatile guy he said i'm an nba geek but a lot of versatility. He's done NBA draft, the NBA draft lottery, uh, the all-star jewel event. So uh, women's basketball, men's college basketball, uh, the WNBA. So Mark Jones, kind enough to join us here uh, on uh, the announcer schedules podcast. All right, that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, as always, like, rate, review, subscribe, and uh, check back on the feed. Last word on sports. You get three for the price of one tell me a story i don't know with george offman and last word on sports media with tj reeves and of course we here on the announcer schedules podcast drop on thursdays and we appreciate you listening this week all right we'll be back with another edition next week have a great rest of your week everybody thanks to mark jones for phil i'm mike this has been the announcer schedules podcast on last word on sports oh yeah